Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal Aaron and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of July 2nd, 2023, Aaron and I again find ourselves with our backs against the wall with some weird Canadian stories closing in on us. We're going to discuss the passing of Sex with Sue Johansson. We'll hear about a lost child. We're going to hear about a child that was left behind. And then we'll discuss yet another squatter. This time, it's one occupying a Toronto couple's car. So let's get into it. Well, if it isn't handsome Aaron Airport on on Canada Day, is this Canada Day? No, yesterday was. Yesterday was. Um, I yeah. realized, like, as in the lead up to Canada Day, I thought, like, oh man, like we probably should have commemorated that in some way. Well, we are we are uh, doing that by keeping Canada weird the day after. We do give it the gift that keeps on giving by keeping it weird year round, but I just feel like we should have done something special on the day. But I guess what we've done special on the day was prepare for the day after when we record this episode, our Canada Day special. Right, right. I kind of lost you. You, you, you know, I, that was confusing what you said. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, so many days. Okay, for, did you do anything special for Canada Day yourself? Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, that's right. We went for supper. you know uh here's how special our canada day was we were going to go see the canada day fireworks but instead we went and got indian food that's right Uh, (laughs) it was delicious with with randy with randy yeah with randy stonewall friend of the show that's right yeah it was a real uh nighttime keep canada weird uh indian food party uh, if if my if the tone of my voice or the reverb or ambiance in the room around me sounds off, that's because right now I'm on vacation. I'm in beautiful Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, not far from you. I'm recording from the spare bedroom at my in-laws' place, um, and yeah, I feel uncomfortable. This isn't my normal mm-hmm. like location. I'm drinking different tea than normal. Instead of sitting at my comfortable desk, I'm like huddled on to almost half on top of a dresser. <laughs> it's just so weird, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to let it defeat me. No, no, you can do this. You can get through. <sighs> I'm just like, I'm such a creature of habit and like a, a homebody. Yeah. You know, if you take me out of my element, I'm just a mess. Yeah. So you hold my hand through this? I I held your hand yesterday. But I'm going to need it again. This time, though, like virtually, just be there for me. But I'm not going to let that get in the way. We're here for one reason and one reason only. What is it? Oh, that is to keep Canada weird. You're learning. You're learning fast. Ah, uh, yeah. And it's not just you and I who are keeping Canada weird. Thankfully, we have the Keep Canada Weird Army, Keep Canada Weird Nation, the listeners of this show, and they're doing more than their part to pitch in and help us do what we got to do here. So let's use this as a moment to highlight some of those listeners. When, when we spoke last week, one of the stories we talked about was tipping. 
um, and, and whether or not it was about to die here in Canada. We called out to listeners, if you have a story of a time that you didn't tip or a weird tipping story, share it with us. And yeah, we got a few. You want to hear one? I would love to hear one. Let's go with... Um, tip me with a tipping story. This is um, the story of why a listener named Destiny didn't tip. So... Shortly after the pandemic, my long-term boyfriend's parents came to visit us here in Montreal. It had been a while since we had last seen them, and I really wanted to catch up with my boyfriend's mom and have some one-on-one time with her. So I took her to this pretty trendy little restaurant in a really trendy part of town. And keep in mind, I'm definitely kind of a redneck who was raised in the sticks. So although I really consider myself polite, I always feel a little underclass when I'm around my boyfriend's mom. She was raised very proper. She's a super nice lady, but there's always a sense of, oh, I really need to impress this lady. I really respect her. So we went to this restaurant and we both ordered a cocktail. And like I said, it was a trendy place. These drinks were not cheap. I think they're somewhere between like 14 and $16 for just little cocktails. So to start things off on the wrong foot, It was clear we were not dressed appropriately or trendy enough. Like, we were just wearing regular clothes, but everyone around us looked a certain way. There was definitely a certain genre of people there. And the waitress definitely noticed this too. I felt like we were probably a little bit snubbed by this because those two drinks took around a half an hour to get to us. At this point, we let it slide we weren't too upset with it because we had both worked in the service industry before and it really wasn't a big deal the big deal was that there was a lemon garnish on my drink like a little slice of lemon and it was super clear that it had been dropped on the floor it was covered in like hair and dirt it was pretty gross and when I brought this to my waitress's attention instead of remaking the drink or even apologizing she kind of just scoffed rolled her eyes, took the lemon, and left. It was another half an hour before we saw her again, and she was just bringing her a bill. There wasn't even the option to order a second drink, which was fine by me. I actually couldn't even drink my first drink because it was filled with contaminants. I figured since they didn't remake the drink and I clearly hadn't touched this one, this $15 cocktail would be taken off my bill, but it wasn't. So that paired with the bad attitude made me decide not to leave a tip. So while I was paying, um, my boyfriend's mom had stepped outside to wait for me. I didn't tip, as I said, and I went to join her outside. And shortly after, the waitress actually stormed outside and yelled at me and said, if you can't afford to tip, don't eat out. And that just simply wasn't the issue. But oh my God, it was embarrassing. Oh, wow. That sucks. Oh, yeah. It's shocking that the server came running out to say that to her. I've heard of that happening. I've never experienced it, but I've, I've heard of that sort of thing happening. You know, they, so much of tipping happens because even if the service isn't great, people just feel obliged to. Uh, it seems like in her case, she was with her boyfriend's mom who she wanted to impress. You'd think she, she would have felt so obliged that despite the service being bad, despite the lemon being dropped, allegedly, she still probably would have threw down like two bucks or something like that. But she didn't. Well, it's just that the like the whole point of tipping 
was to reward good service. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily going above and beyond service, but just, you know, the service was good. Here's a little extra. That was kind of the idea behind it. Um, and it rewards people to work harder and and make more money because of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, this couldn't have been, like, a, such a rare circumstance that this one particular server did not get tipped this one time that they stormed out and had to say something to this customer. Like, it has to happen all the time. It, it takes a lot of gall to chase a patron out. And then accuse you if you can't afford to tip, yeah, huh? I don't like that. Strike. And then to say, yeah, to say that to them, like you don't know who you're dealing with there. Like maybe they can't afford the tip. Mm-hmm. And I guess yeah. they're in a tre- trendy restaurant, so the assumption is that if you're coming to a place like this, it's assumed that you have the disposable income mm-hmm. to do so. And remember the way Destiny set this up is her and her, you know, almost mother-in-law went in there feeling under underdressed and stuff. So maybe everyone else was a uh, just it maybe let off the appearance of being uh, more affluent and whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe the waitress saw that and was like, "Oh God, I got these two that aren't going to tip because they can't afford it." Yeah, they showed up in bathrobes. <laughs> her first mistake, though, but just to cap it off, her first mistake was uh, spending time with her almost mother-in-law. Yeah, come on, nobody wants to come do on. that. That's just Thanksgiving and Christmas is the only time you see those people. Yeah. Um, we have other tipping stories and listener mail that we will get to. I'm going to sprinkle them throughout this episode because we have a lot of stories that we need to highlight that played out just this past week in Canada that help color our country in the weird shades of red and white that you and I prefer. So let's get into the weird stories and we'll check in with the listeners as we go. In tonight's episode, we're going to hear about squatting in cars. We're going to hear about a 16-year-old who got lost in the woods. We're going to hear about a six-year-old who got left behind. And then we'll talk about the life and legacy of Sex with Sue Johansson. Where do you want to start with this? Well, why don't we start with the with Sex with Sue? This is a sad one. Um, the reason we're bringing up Sex with Sue, although we could have talked about her on any episode of this show, because she is certainly someone who has been doing more than their part to keep Canada weird. She has been doing it since... Well, at least like professionally on radio and TV since we were born. I think she started around mm-hmm. 1980. Uh, and she is known as, I guess, like a sex educator. Uh, she had a television show and a radio show and wrote articles and did all sorts of kind of public and guest appearances where she would answer as the sweet, innocent little old lady. She would answer and discuss like graphic sexual acts in in very kind of like i don't know just the sex the sex stuff that you wanted to know but were afraid to ask anyone sue johansson was the person who discussed that stuff publicly to canadians all the time before we get to her i'm going to play uh, the way global tv announced her passing just last week I was told that the first thing you want to do is dispel some common myths. Men are convinced that to be a good lover, they've got to have this humongous... As a sex educator, Sue Johansson had no fear. Strike mattress on it. 
By the early 2000s, her celebrity as the granny who'd answer all your intimate questions had spread to Hollywood. But for decades, Sue Johansson was Canada's own. Condoms. They'll do the trick. Educating young people over the airwaves long before it was possible to do a Google search. She had that very deep voice and I remember being at the time kind of shocked, like, oh my gosh, she's talking about that? After navigating her own teenage years without a mother, Johansson opened Canada's first birth control clinic inside a high school when her own daughter was still a student there. I'm so proud of who she was and what she did. With her call-in radio show launched in 1984 and a TV show later on, Johansson helped young people learn about sex as the world came to grips with AIDS. Mom was uh, fearless and made no bones about having uh, a lot of AIDS patients from Casey House come up to her cottage every summer. Although she slowed down in her 80s, Johansson never truly retired. Pained in recent years to see so much progress made for women's sexual health, appear to take steps back. Especially about abortion in the States that I remember once she reacted by just shutting her eyes, shaking her head and, and turning her head away. Just like, I can't fix this. But because of her legacy, a new generation of educators have stepped in to take her place. I was never seen as a sex kitten. I had the gift of the gab. Life lessons from a tough talking granny millions of Canadians will never forget. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. The passing of a Canadian icon and institution. Back in the day, like when I was in high school, like sex with Sue was something you would turn on on Sunday nights. Yeah, to learn a little bit, but also just to like laugh at like a 70 year old mm. woman, like describing the usage of a dildo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I describe this story as sad per se, because I mean, she lived deep into her 90s. Uh, she had an amazing career. She did a lot. She accomplished a lot. So to me, it's it's. I don't look at it as a sad story. I look at it as, you know, a celebration of her life. She yeah. had a she had a great one. She had a long one. She she did a lot. She that's she true. Broke down doors and barriers and mm -hmm. smashed glass ceilings. You know, she was there was no one else like her. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think describing it as sad. Here, here's what I find when someone that's her age that has lived a full life. Uh, did all this stuff and you know you live life to their fullest when they pass away it's yeah it should be like a celebration of their life but I also find it reminds me of my own mortality because I'm seeing the people that I see as like just um, transcending like mortality when you see them mm -hmm. pass away like for example when like you know Prince dies and Michael Jackson dies and I guess they're not great examples because they weren't that old. But, you know, when these people die, it, it's just like, oh, my God, like that's such a part of the reality that I live in. And just the idea of uh, her not existing anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's it's a personal thing where it just makes it reminds me of how much I'm aging at the same time. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't think that way about it. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't remind me of death or. Or anything, especially because she was in her nineties. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, wow, she 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 lived past the average life expectancy, and she mm -hmm. she achieved a lot. 
I mean, I remember, like you said, like the Sunday night sex show. That every Sunday night we watched it, and every Monday morning on the school bus we talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was uh, not pornographic because it wasn't sexual. It was more like funny and just so uh, over the top in a lot of ways. Both because of again, she would just she would go so far with what mm. she talk about. She talk about anything, but. At the same time, she was just so sweet and innocent. And as a, uh, you know, a 13, 14, 15 year old, man, I got a kick out of it endlessly. Yeah, she was so much more effective at educating everyone about sex than the public school system was. But the most effective sex ed I ever got was from watching the Sunday night sex show <laughs> every Sunday night. Um well, let's bid her uh, keep Canada weird adieu. What, what would be the right way to say this? When someone that we respect passes, we just give a tip of the keep Canada weird hat to the life and legacy of sex with Sue Johansson. Yeah, we say thanks. Thanks for the weird times, Sue. And the education. And the edu- most importantly, the education. Let's use that as our segue to be educated on tipping, again, from listeners of Nighttime. Uh, We heard from Destiny, the story about why she didn't tip and how the whole thing kind of blew up in her face. We're going to get another lesson in tipping in how it seems to very much be a cultural thing. Listen to this. Hey, Jordan. I'm calling with a story about tipping for you. Um, So back in 2010, I worked for a jet boating company in Niagara Falls, and over the summer, we'd get like thousands of guests from South Korea who took tours through tour agency. And so the company that I worked for hired two Korean-speaking students to provide the tours in Korean, and they lived with me over the summer. So about halfway through the summer, we went to a pub, and we had just like the worst customer service that I've ever experienced. It was slow. The server was extremely rude. Whenever orders was wrong, she just didn't want to do like anything to help us. Um, and I always tip. But after we paid and left, we were back in the car. And I said, I hope you guys didn't tip her. I like certainly didn't. And one of the girls piped up and she said, oh, no, I tipped her. My bill was twenty four thirty six, and I gave her $25 and let her keep the change. And I was like, what? Turns out, because tipping is not common in Korea, she had thought that just rounding up to the next dollar on any purchase was how tipping worked. So, of course, I thought back to all the other places we've been to eat over the summer. The servers have gotten shortchanged. So I explained that we typically tip, like, 15 to 20 percent and she was mortified and the worst part was she was like the kindest most generous human she just didn't understand the culture of tipping that we have here in north america (laughs) that's a great story yeah yeah uh it would be awesome like this this individual was you know their bill was 24 and change and they would round up to 25 it'd be awesome to be able to round down when you're paying for a bill to like yeah just 24 like, even tip somebody yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah you know it's 24 35 but i'm gonna give you 24 because it was such terrible service it should work that way it should yeah yeah so we heard from some listeners who were uh linking or they were giving insight on the tipping story we talked about last week but it seems like the cosmos arranged for canada to maybe um, inform us on a story we talked about last week as well. You remember we discussed the story of the landlord who was um, 
being met with a sort of bureaucratic brick wall trying to evict a squatter from his upstairs apartment that the the apartment upstairs of his mother's apartment um so we learned a bit about squatting and how difficult it is last week but just this past week just days ago in toronto a rather unusual uh um, squatting story played out. This one involves Kayla Deplantis Whitewick and her partner who returned to their Toronto home from a 12-day European vacation to find something quite shocking. People were squatting in her car. Listen to this. Okay. This would have been the way that we arrived to the car. But when Kayla Duplantis Whitewick and her partner checked their car, it was filled with someone else's belongings. It was completely full of things. Um, there was litter everywhere. It was very clear that it had been turned into a shelter, essentially. The couple had been on a 12-day European vacation. And during that time, it appears someone had been living in their car and carport. We did find a couple in the car. Thankfully, no one was hurt. No one had weapons or anything. But it's just always a concern because you just never know, right? Duplantis Whitewick called Toronto Police. The man was arrested, but the woman, she says, fled, Garbage. leaving their vehicle destroyed. It just feels violating, and I feel like I know it's not personal, but it does end up feeling personal, right? Toronto police confirmed the man was arrested for mischief, but it turns out he was wanted on a warrant with charges of theft under 5,000, obstruct peace officer, personation with intent to avoid arrest, and acknowledging instruments in false name purchasing this car two years ago it was mint condition you know dream car and now just everything's broken and shredded and unusable the couple has done their best to clean up what they can that's a substance on the seat i'm not totally sure what that is but they're still finding things between the seats and underneath them so that kayla seems to be the most understanding victim of this sort of thing mm. imaginable she seems so okay with it well she seems she seems affected by it. You know, the, this is a car that she doesn't even want to use anymore yeah, now after all of this. Yeah, that's true. I, I would burn the car if I were in that situation, I think. Burn it? Why? Like to collect the insurance money or just to get rid of the memory just of it? to completely get rid of it. Mm. God knows what stains and different oh, yeah. unma that, things that only Sue Johansson would know. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo, you know, like... If that uh, car, I don't know if could, I could do it. If that car could talk, I wouldn't want to ask it about you know what it has been through. I guess to say Kayla is okay with it is wrong. I think maybe Kayla was very understanding of kind of like the social uh, problems that led to this happening in her car, and maybe maybe that's what I'm picking up on. Like she described it as like it yeah. became a shelter essentially, which is just if this happened to me, I don't think I would describe it as like my car became a shelter in, essentially. I'd be like some other like I would I think mm. I'd flip out because um, it's a pretty. I mean, it's it's one thing, though, like if you find evidence that someone's been squatting in your car, but they wrecked the car, too. Like they yeah. made a complete mess of it. They, up they damaged it. Yeah. Yeah. Like so it, I would have a different reaction where it was like. If I found out that somebody was sleeping in my car, but they were just sleeping there and then kind of going about their day and then coming back and, and and just using it for necessary shelter, I would have a much different reaction than in this situation mm. where they they really did wreck the interior of the car. 
damaged every you know the seats the upholstery everything and mm. and didn't treat it with uh with respect at all that's a good point yeah big difference and it's also it's like it's late june that this happened if it was winter and they needed like truly needed shelter from the elements um yeah yeah that's that's a different story you're seeing this more and more now because of how our economy is and how unaffordable it is to have a basic living anymore oh, that's sad it's uh and it beyond sad because it's it's like it's dark and grim and it just seems like it's only it's getting worse faster than it's getting better mm -hmm. yeah people. nobody can just afford to live mm. it's 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 just it's getting bad out there let's move on to our next series of stories um i think we're going to be going to the woods but let me ask you first, Aaron, what lives in the woods? Oh, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Animals. Oh, yeah. And the animal uprising is something we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, you remember Norm from Vegas? He was a listener who called in that had a bit of a beef with Randy. They kind of mm -hmm. butted heads, but then I think found a way to accept each other. And the whole Yeah, thing. I don't know if it was the smoothest exception of each other though i think there's more just a, an acknowledgement of toleration between the two of them that's right and a kind of an unwritten agreement to yeah tolerate yeah each other. To just end it end it there yeah long story short uh norm has been listening to us for a while he understands what's going on with the animals um and i think he he wanted to call in and give us a bit of an update on his perspective of the animal uprising and, and what he's doing to change his approach to animals. Listen to this. Hi, Jordan and handsome Aaron Airport. This is Norm from Vegas calling back to give you a status on my experiences with the animal uprising. I previously called in about the Canadian cop who shot at a caribou, but hit his cruiser instead and how this incident was involved with the animal uprising. At that time, Handsome Aaron Airport advised me to be careful putting out this sort of information publicly and that I should communicate instead through back channels. Well, as I found out, this turned out to be sage advice. As since that program aired, I've had the following experiences. At first, pets in the area started side-eyeing me. They weren't growling or barking or acting aggressively just appeared as they were keeping an eye on me. The next thing that happened is birds started dive bombing my car and crapping all over it. Now I have countermeasures to this in the form of, of a monthly car wash subscription, but still it's annoying. Well, the thing that finally convinced me was I was walking down the path and this lizard came out of the bushes. It walked up to me not scurrying, just walking, looked up at me, had something in its mouth. It dropped this at my feet and then walked back like a boss into the bushes. So I bent over to look at what this was, and it turned out to be the head of a cricket. Well, I have this to say to my animal overlords. Message received. Like Handsome Aaron Airport, I bend the knee to my animal overlords. Keep up the good work. Wow, that's uh, yeah. That's all you can say as wow to that. That's 
Message received indeed, Norm. Uh, yes, you should have heeded my warnings. You know, I had uh, warned you about uh, some of your previous calls. Um, and just like, you know, how the mob would leave a horse's head in somebody's bed, you know, as like a, as you're a future hit, you know, or something like that. Like, so there, this lizard left this cricket's head at your feet to say, Norm, you're next. So my fear, Norm, is not that, like, sure, you're submitting now, like, like right now after seeing the cricket's head. My concern is that it's too little too late for you. Uh, I hope I'm wrong because I really like Norm. Mm. Um, I've been submitting to the animal overlords from the very beginning. Uh, you know, I pledged my allegiance to them and I asked and I beg them for their mercy all of the time. Because uh, I, I respect their strength and their capabilities. Um, so Norm has come on board with this and, and Norm you know, has finally submitted to the overlords, but getting that cricket's head at your feet may mean you're next mm -hmm. and it's too late. It may not mean like stop doing it. it no, may it may meant, mean you're done. It may have yeah. meant we saw what you did. Yeah. And this is yeah. a message. Oh man, that is scary. Um, mm -hmm. I think we may hear from him again, but let's move on. Yeah. Animals live in the woods. I grew up near the woods. You grew up with the forest at your backyard. I'm a sucker for stories about people doing unusual things in the woods or having strange experiences in the woods. And for whatever reason, I've always been a sucker for stories about people lost in the woods. And I think that's why over the past week, I've been following a story out of British Columbia that involved a 16-year-old woman named Esther Wang, who is on a, like a sort of field trip Oding, it was a group of four people who were on a nature hike uh, at a place called Golden Ears Park, which is in Maple Ridge, BC. Um, Esther ended up getting separated from the group and went missing, and things weren't looking very good in the beginning. I'm going to play you just a short article here, or sh play you a short news clip that described the search for 16-year-old Esther. Search and rescue teams from across the region and RCMP have been desperately looking for the teen. The search is now approaching the 48-hour mark, and so many questions still remain about what may have happened to Esther Wang. The 16-year-old has been missing since Tuesday afternoon, after a youth hiking trip gone wrong. It's believed she was with a group of four people. They made it to Steve's lookout on the East Canyon Trail, but during the trek back to the campsite, police say things went awry. They were hiking up to the lookout point. Um, it was a small group, and as it is when people get tired, different levels of physical fitness, the group got a little bit separated, and when they stopped to check up and wait for each other, they noticed that Esther was, had fallen behind and they couldn't locate her. The group contacted authorities, and crews were on the lookout within the hour. Police say she had water, food, and a cell phone, but because of the remote area, there hasn't been any service. Wang is Asian, five foot three, with a slim build, long black hair, wearing black leggings, a black jacket, and a navy blue baseball hat. So you can kind of hear it in the tone of that news broadcast that mm -hmm. they're already a day into searching for her 
without finding her. I did find it odd that they gave her description because I'm. It's kind of like you know, if you see someone alone in the middle of the woods, it's probably her. Like it seems kind of irrelevant to say she's this height with this color hair. Yeah, like well, she's maybe she's going to be the person desperate. They... Yeah, maybe if they came across her, like maybe she found her way out of the woods and she's walking up the street or something. Mm-hmm. It would be good to know what she looks like. I don't know. I'm not a search and rescue expert, so I guess I can't really. I can only guess. Yeah. Neither am I. But regardless, um, we have an update immediately, so I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, Esther Ca- Esther Wang was found, and I think it's kind of a slap in her face because the, the headline that I found that wrapped up the story described it as Esther Wang's missing 16-year-old found. But as it turns out, not really that she was found. She found her way out, which is altogether different. Listen to this. Mm. He looked from the air and on the ground. The search for Esther Wang was called off for the night at 8.30 Thursday. And an hour later, RCMP say she walked out of Golden Ears Provincial Park and into the arms of her parents. She's healthy, she's happy, and she's with family. Aside from some mosquito bites, she is safe and uh, unharmed. The 16-year-old went missing Tuesday afternoon after getting separated from her group. Cadet officials confirm she was with two other air cadets and an adult supervisor on a hike to complete the Duke of Edinburgh's Bronze Award. We're just so happy that it was a good outcome. As a cadet, Wang would have learned some survival skills. They learn a variety of skills, assembling an emergency kit, operating a stove and lantern, tying knots and lashing, navigating. Stop, assess where you are, and if it's safe to be where you are, stop and wait, because the place, in this case, she was with a group, and if she'd remained where where she was, the group did return to, to that area. Ridge Meadows RCMP will be interviewing Wang to find out exactly what transpired. There's obviously a very determined young lady. And how she managed to survive two nights in the wilderness. So in total, 16-year-old spent just about 55 hours alone in the woods. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. wild. I it, it just boggles my mind because I, I can't imagine what I would do in that situation. To be in the middle of the forest alone it's the sun's setting and it's getting darker. I would, I think I would just fall to the ground and pass out. That said, I'm not um, the bravest, most competent um, survivalist. No, I, I don't, I guess you don't know until you're in the situation. Yeah. You know, like I, I'd like to think that I would also do the same as you. Like I would just get so overwhelmed and get so scared and just be like, you know what? I'm just going to climb up a tree and just lay up a tree, in a branch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a horrible way to get found. <laughs> yeah, but at least I'd be, I, I'd be not worried as much about animals getting me. I mean, we're in the middle of an animal uprising right now. Yeah, I guess the I cities just, aren't safe either. So, yeah, but I, I feel like at least if I'm high up in a tree, because uh, I'd be worried about bears. That would be a big concern of mine. Mm-hmm. So at least if I could get up high, I could feel safe and I could hear if people are looking for me, they're going to be calling my name. So I feel like I would probably just get more lost if I kept moving. So I feel like if I just once I decide that I'm lost, I'll just stay put and they'll come looking for me Mm. and I'll be up in a tree. 
Yeah, well, that was kind of the advice that the search and rescue person said during that news clip is like, if you if you get separated from your group, stay where you are. Because in this case, Esther Wang's group came back looking for her and she wasn't there, probably yeah. because she left to try to find them or something. But in your case, they would show up and you would be up in a tree. It'd be completely dark. So you would probably think they were a bear. So unless they were shouting like, Aaron, Aaron. Well, that's what they do when they go through the woods, like a search search and rescue. You know, they kind of they go out in a grid pattern and they just yell your name over and over again. So oh, really? Know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that tree thing might work. I think my plan would be to find. Well, you're what, you're dead and you with your plan because you just the, laid on the ground yeah, and gave I, up. I like us killed <laughs> so by got, ants. You're just, <laughs> just yeah, your fire ants are just all over you. <laughs> I think my plan would maybe be to find water and follow it downstream, hoping that it would eventually lead to like a large lake or something where there's like cottages or something. I don't know. I just feel like water generally is leading somewhere that people are. Uh, not in an area like this, though. I mean, That's when true. you're when you're talking about, you know, these these hiking expeditions, it's usually in pretty remote spots. Yeah, know? I'm done. I'd either I guess it'd be drowning or the fire ants would get me. Or both. I, I, I like simultaneously. You're being eaten by ants as you're drowning. <laughs> um, well, I hope I'm never in that position. And if I am, uh, I'm going to channel some of the energy and skill, survival skill that Esther Wang had, and hopefully, well, we still don't know what she did, though. They didn't that's really true. They give didn't, us any story yeah. about what what she did during those 55 hours. Like, yeah, it sounds like they don't really know yet because they say investigators plan to interview her to you know get clarification so maybe they have no idea how she got lost it seems like it'd be you know if you're in a group of four people hiking three three younger people and one adult it seems like it'd be kind of weird that one person would be able to like unless they maybe they ducked off to go to the bathroom quickly or something it just seems unusual what had happened i'll be curious to hear if there's any updates to this story maybe esther wang will give an interview yeah. to nighttime podcasts the keep canada weird series or otherwise Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're getting lots of advice in the chat right now about you know if we're getting attacked by a bear you know as long as you keep making noise woods fan woods fanatic says uh you know, the bear will not hurt you. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't, I... I don't know if I 100% agree with that. Because if I'm saying, ow, you're eating me, please stop. Ow, you're killing me. Ow, I don't think he's going to stop. Um, well, you know what? Since we're on the topic of animals, we talked about Norm earlier from Vegas who left the voice memo. Uh, he found the cricket's head that was left by a lizard. You described that as maybe a, uh, maybe a sign that he's next. Perhaps it's gone too far and he has already made the bed that the animals are going to lay him in. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Norm maybe left that initial voicemail and then realized, like, man, I still got a lot to do before I get enough karma from the animals to survive this. Uh, Norm sent a separate voice memo where... Not only is he giving perspective on the animal uprising, I think he's raising the bar and he's giving advice to animals on how they can win this. I think he's trying to win favor with them. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hi, Jordan and handsome Aaron Airport. This is Norm from Vegas calling back again. I just left you a message about my recent experiences with the animal uprising. 
and how it led me to pledge my allegiance to them. So, as a show of good faith, I have decided to prove my allegiance by giving them an idea. I recently heard the story on your podcast of the belching cows. So, this is what I suggest. They fit the cows with headgear that can produce a spark. Then they would be able to create herds of fire-breathing cows as part of their forces. I think the sight of these herds approaching while belching fire would convince most humans that we have no choice in the matter and that we must submit. I think that's the sound of Norm doing some damage control. Norm just dug his hole even deeper on this one, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Uh-oh. Why? Again, I want to state for the record that I love Norm. Mm-hmm. I love Norm. Uh, great guy. You know, one of our best callers. Unfortunately, I think Norm has insulted the animals with this suggestion. Uh-oh. And the reason is because he is suggesting that the animals fashion some type of headgear that covers the mouth and ignites a spark when the cows breathe the gases that they breathe out and it allows them to breathe fire. This type of technology requires opposable thumbs. Uh-oh. And the animals don't have that. And that's actually such a human thing. Like the animals, their powers... And their abilities are given to them by evolution. It's it's insulting to, to suggest that they have to add to what they already carry. Like the the, th- the examples that we're seeing in cities and in towns and and in, and in civilizations around Canada is that they're using the strengths they currently have as animals. You know, like a like a beaver building a dam, letting the water build up, and then un, and then breaking the dam. The cows breathing the methane and slowly uh, evaporating our ozone layer so that we all burn to death. Um, you know, various reasons, uh, lots of different examples, um, but they're all the abilities that the the animals currently already have. So Norm is putting a human uh, perspective an idea on to what the animals are already doing. And that's insulting to them because human ideas are not, are what God is here to begin with. Yeah. It's where the li- animals are. It's a little yeah. condescending. I don't think he intended it to be, mm-hmm. but unfortunately that's the way they're going to interpret it. Mm-hmm. I think I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this gets norm in the clear with the animals. I really do. However, my gut's telling me that uh, Norm just made things worse. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, well, we have one last story. This one doesn't involve animals, doesn't involve the forest, but much like our last story, it does involve a child getting lost slash left behind slash separated from others. This is a different situation altogether, though. This involves a, a six-year-old child in Guelph, Ontario, who who found himself left behind when the rest of his classmates went on a field trip. 
Unfortunately, this story has a positive outcome. But this could have been even darker than it is. Listen to the story of the six-year-old who was left behind. Meet Lincoln, six years old and in senior kindergarten at St. Peter's Catholic Elementary School in Guelph. Watch this. Nice. That's my spin attack. On Friday, June 9th, the entire school was going to church. Everyone boarded the bus and left. Got ready and I was ready too. And then they all left without me. According to Lincoln and his mother, the school forgot Lincoln. And when he tried to go back inside the school, the doors were locked. I was scared and sad. Lincoln says he hid in the bushes and shouted for help. After about 10 minutes, a teacher who decided to drive to church heard Lincoln and watched him until the rest of the school returned. At the end of the day, I went back and the teacher pulled me aside and said there was an incident. And I'm like, oh my God, what did my kid do? She's like, no, no, it was us, you know. Um, he missed the bus, but he was okay. He was with the teacher the whole time. According to Delessi, the school initially left out the fact that Lincoln was left outside alone in the rain. I'm still angry. <laughs> Honestly, it, it's, it's terrifying. Um, all those things go through your head of what if he didn't find him? Like what if somebody else found him? What if he wandered off? Or The school board says they are aware of the incident telling CTV, we regret the situation occurred and have been in contact with the parent to address the concerns. According to Delessi, she hopes this situation is a wake-up call. I just want to make sure that from this, something comes out of it, that they start doing better head counts. They check on kids more because that's past unacceptable. It's pretty much negligent to lose a six-year-old. Oh, that's, um, as a parent, that's like my worst nightmare. But I don't know. I, whenever I've seen like field trips or whatever and when i recall field trips as a kid i feel like we were constantly being like counted and there was always checklists in this case it sounds like lincoln's teacher or whoever the supervisor was like counted the kids heads as they were leaving the classroom they all go out to get on the bus but between the classroom and the bus lincoln ducks into the bathroom they all get on the bus and leave he comes out of the bathroom leaves the school finds the bus gone when he turns around to go back into the school because everybody left, the doors of the schools are locked. The school is locked. And what he ends up doing is he jumps in a bush and cries and yells for help until a passing by teacher manages to find him. And then mm -hmm. the icing on the cake is they didn't tell the his parents that until like they're like, oh, no, a teacher was with him. Leaving out the fact like, well, there was that time he was in the bush alone crying and yelling. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it, is it controversial to put at least some blame on Lincoln? Uh, are you talking about how, when the interviewer was trying to talk to him, he showed his spin attack? Like, are you saying maybe his attention's definitely, he has a bit of an attention problem? Uh, he seems like a bit of a wild card to me. <laughs> um, so if you're in line, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> you know, this is, again, like most of our opinions coming from a, a place of pure ignorance. But mm -hmm. um, they do the head count, right? And then they leave the classroom to go outside and go to the bus. And at some point in time, Lincoln plays by his own rules and goes off to the bathroom or somewhere, mm -hmm. right? You're supposed to ask permission. 
mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom at mm-hmm. that age mm-hmm. at, at school. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, on a field trip, like, teacher, can I go to the washroom? I have to go to the washroom, you know. So this this is probably, and I would say that the faculty at this school probably aren't allowed to say this publicly, but this is probably a long-term issue with Lincoln. <laughs> Where he just does his own thing all the time. And I'm sure that'll pay off for him later in life. You know, mm-hmm. when he's, he, maybe he'll be entrepreneurial. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he'll invent something really cool. This this way of thinking is, uh, will pay off for him eventually. But in the early years mm-hmm. where following orders and, and, and these types of things are, are beneficial to keep the wheel moving. Mm. He's uh, he's rolling the dice every so often. At the end of the day, it is the responsibility of the teachers on this school trip. I agree. However, can we not at least call Lincoln out for for wandering away like that? Mm. Wow. It, uh, to answer your question, yes, it is controversial, but I don't think you're the only one who thinks that. In fact, the news clip we just watched, I do believe the person who put that together may have suspected it as well, because as they introduce Lincoln, he is like, you know, all over the place in front of the camera. He does this swing, swinging like kick where he's like, that's my spin attack. And I just like when I saw him, I'm like, he reminds me so much of my... Because I, I, ha- I have a five-year-old who has friends, that, you know, like like Lincoln's size and age. And they're all, like, just so scatterbrained. And they're always showing me their moves and their spin attacks. And, and yeah, I just yeah. got a little sense of maybe what it's like to spend time with Lincoln. He's my kind of kid. I get it. But, um, but, yeah, I think, you know, what you said, if this is something Lincoln does regularly, I'm going to say that's even more... Uh, that that makes it even a stronger case that the teacher should be keeping an eye on the kid in class who's always showing everyone his spin attack and running off all the time. I put this on the teachers. Right. But when you have now, I'm going to push back a little bit oh. on this. When <laughs> when you have 30 other kids that you're watching at the exact same time, like you try to keep extra attention on Lincoln and perhaps this is going to maybe an underfunded school system. Maybe it's understaffed. Uh, Maybe there's just not enough teachers on this school trip to be able to effectively watch over this amount of children at the same time. Um, So maybe in a case like Lincoln's, they were trying to keep an extra eye on him, but at the same time they're getting pulled out from all different directions different needs of all and... these other children mm-hmm. and it's like you know what like I, we're only human too and there's only so much we can do and at the end of the day uh let's put a little blame on lincoln okay i'm gonna I'm, i will allow you to say that and have that opinion i, I agree to I, and it's not that i disagree with you i do agree with you to some level but um th- this is why i hate field trips when my kid asks me, like, we sign this thing, I want to go on a field trip. I'm thinking, like, your school can't even afford to have, like, blank paper in your class for you to write on. And, you know, you go to the bathroom and the toilet paper is, like, the, you know, the cheapest stuff you could possibly. Like, the school is falling apart at the seams. And they want to take you and a busload of your friends to the Natural History Museum. It's like, I don't feel good about that. This is why stories like this. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm glad Lincoln's home safe. 
And I'd be yeah, pissed and if I, just, I was his And mom I just too. mean a little blame. I don't mean all of the blame. What a, a, give, give me a percentage. Are you talking ten percent? I th- no more than that. I think I think a solid thirty percent needs to go on Lincoln. Wow. He needs to bear some responsibility here and learn from this. Be you like, know he's six, right? Yeah, he's six. He's lived six long, solid years on this on this planet. You know, this is why the animals are going to completely carve through us like a hot knife through butter. Because, you know, a, a six-year-old bear cub is 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 uh, achieving much more than than what our children are. Mm. They're out surviving in the woods and they're and they're braving the elements every night. Like we need to toughen up here because the animals are coming for us. Mm-hmm. We're literally like quite literally a sitting duck race of fat delicious monkey-like things. We don't even have hair on us. We're basically like chickens that have already been plucked just waiting to be eaten by something superior, which is basically any animal with teeth. Yeah. That's not going to end well for us. No. Um, it was well, good knowing you, though. Yeah. Well, this let's keep the show running as long as we can, and yeah. hopefully we get killed on air. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, that's what the, that's, yeah, yeah, let's hope that. Um, anything we want to call out to listeners for, we asked for, for the tipping stories. They delivered. Uh, we've been getting updates on the animal uprising from Norm. What else do we want to hear about here? We still want to hear about anyone who's noticing the new Tim Horton signs that are popping up, I assume, around the country. I've seen them in my hometown uh, um, where they're dropping the last name Hortons and they're just going with Tim's. So you're saying we need a insider within corporate or what do we need? Like, or what do we need? I guess what we need is just people on the ground to let us know what they're seeing and it will be up to us to put it together. Yeah. We just need more puzzle pieces. So we need people to, to pound the pavement and, 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 and let us know what's happening with the Tim Hortons locations in their area. Are they making the switch to this new sign? Mm-hmm. Uh, and does it look like they're eventually, not right away, but eventually and slowly going to drop the Hortons off of the name? It seems like it's happening. If you look at Tim Horton's social media, they're starting to use more the, the maple leaf with the word or the first name Tim's or whatever on mm-hmm. it. I think it's happening. So, yeah, anyone listening to this, as you drive by Tim Hortons, look at the signs. If you see any marketing materials from Tim's, look at how their logo appears. We're looking for any evidence that they're rebranding simply as Tim's and saying F Hortons. Yeah. 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 We want to hear from you. Well, let's wrap it up with that. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. When you're doing a serious news report about the way you were treated and how people were looking after you, don't just stop what you're doing and show off your spin attack. It just makes you appear easily distracted yeah and even if you have the perfect spin attack it doesn't help your credibility i want to thank you for helping aaron and i fulfill our mission to keep canada weird but let us call out to you for even greater support If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, make sure you let us know about it. As well, if you want to give any opinion or weigh in on any of the stories we covered, we want to hear about that too. The best way to contact us is via voice memo sent through nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. Now, I'm going to start wrapping up the episode, but before I do, 
I'm going to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with us all. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to each and every one of you listening to the show, as without your interest and your support, it'd be as pointless as it would be impossible to create this show. On the topic of support, I want to thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed, Alex, Carlos, and Hope. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else out there who'd like to support the show, you can help us out in a variety of ways. A premium feed subscription costs only a couple bucks a month and both funds the creation of the show while giving you the episodes two days early, giving them to you ad-free, and giving you access to a full back catalog of episodes. You can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And if you don't want to go premium, you can still help the show out by sharing this episode on social media and letting all your friends know about what we're doing here. And again, if you have any story ideas, want to give feedback on the show, or would like to submit a question or comment for an upcoming episode, you can reach us at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We both hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. 